0: This is Jarrell Clay from the Census for Renew American Security. I'm joined today by authors of a new report titled After Paris, A Climate Agenda That Serves the U.S. Interest, uh, which has been released today. Um, the new report examines climate policy challenges and opportunities that confront the United States after the Trump administration announced its intention uh, to withdraw from the 2015 Paris Agreement. I'm joined today by the authors of the report, uh, Dr. David Gordon, who is an adjunct senior fellow with CNES, Divya Reddy, who is the uh, Practice Head for the Global Energy and Natural Resources um, Practice at Eurasia Group, and uh, CNES's own uh, Elizabeth Rosenberg, Senior Fellow and Director of the Energy Economics and Security Program at CNES. Liz, Divya, David, welcome. Thank you. Thank good you.
1: Good
2: here.
0: So what does this agreement mean um, for uh, the rest of the countries that the United States pulls out?
3: So I think the bottom line is that it doesn't mean all that much that it it certainly has elicited a lot of criticism for the United States. But in terms of what other countries are doing, other countries' commitments to Paris, all of that remains fully intact. So the, the agreement doesn't go away. The agreement is still the main focal point for global efforts to address climate change. It's just that now the United States is no longer in the room uh, for these negotiations and, and for these discussions.
1: I would just add that from a climate change perspective, given that the U.S. is the second largest emitter in the world, you know, it does overall make it more difficult on an international level to meet the commitments to the eventual 2-degree C <coughs> market, um, that the international community has, has adopted
2: virtually every other country in the world is in this framework and the united states moving away from it hasn't changed everyone else's willingness to be in it and they've and we've heard lots of uh, affirmations by these other countries for their commitments to stay in it as well as affirmations from constituencies in the united states the business community uh... states um... cities to do what they can in line or, or um, in a way consistent with the goals of this agreement, so just because the United States walked away doesn't mean that it's in any danger of collapsing.
3: Right, and and it doesn't mean that the United States is out of the climate change process, both because obviously we're we're one of the most important countries uh, in terms of emissions, but. But also because a lot of the decision making uh, around things that affect climate change are actually taken at the state and local level, uh, and there remains a lot of commitments at that level. So the the, the actual trajectory for U.S. Uh, emissions uh, may not change very much as a result of this. And climate change is
0: nothing nothing short of but a uh, polarizing um, issue. Politically, not at the local and state level, as David mentioned, but also at the federal level, what does this mean for our foreign policy implications and how we maintain those relationships with our allies and partners
3: across the Atlantic? The toughest piece of this diplomatically is U.S. relations with Europe, because Europeans put uh, climate change really very, very high on their agenda. Public opinion in Europe... uh, it sees climate change as one of the two or three most important issues in the world. That's less the case here in the United States, and it's also less the case in the rest of the world. So there's a climate change triangle diplomatically that's made up of the Europeans on the one hand, the U.S. and China. Uh, and I think that that sustaining relations with, with China is actually going to be easier uh, than sustaining commonality with Europe on this but the climate triangle won't go away the, th- the three key pieces in terms of countries and regions will will still be the us China and Europe but but I think the Europe side does get does get very challenging and and is the source of, of a lot of uh discontent in Europe now towards the United States.
1: Yeah, and I would just add that there's probably a, some room still for the U.S. to reclaim a role in climate change in the climate change debate internationally on clean energy issues internationally, um, the Paris Agreement does not have to be uh, the be-all and end-all of, of the debate. So, you know, there there are still opportunities for the U.S. <coughs> to engage bilaterally, multilaterally with other countries um, on issues related to climate change and uh, clean energy, even outside of the Paris Agreement itself. So China, in many domains,
2: is looking for opportunities to demonstrate to the rest of the world that it is a great power and offers international leadership. When the United States administration stepped back from this agreement, the Europeans may have been very frustrated, but in many respects, China was... uh, pleased at the opportunity to move into a stronger leadership role and take that chance to demonstrate to the rest of the world its leadership as a responsible nation, given the broad uh, agreement internationally on this issue. So there are soft power implications for the United States when it looks like it took a step back and China took a step forward. Yeah.
3: For China, the the agreement, though, is really a two-edged sword be, because uh They were very happy to be in the agreement working with the United States, because both China and the United States have a a somewhat, quote, softer, unquote, approach to climate change than Europe. Uh, With with the U.S. out now, Europe is putting very high hopes on China. China has the ability to really step up to meet those uh, expectations is not very clear because of their huge dependence on coal as a a source of energy.
0: So given the polarization here of this issue, um, what are some practical things the United States can do today?
1: You know, it's true that the the politics of climate change, especially in the U.S., has become very polarized uh, and very partisan. Um, but you know there there are certain trends in in the energy space that make this um, less uh, less of a trade off between economic uh, issues and climate change benefits than it, than it used to be. Um, two to note are the decline in natural gas prices as a result of the shale revolution, and the other is the significant growth in the renewable space. Um, and as a result of that, you've seen a lot more support, even from Republican states, on um, renewables and clean tenor- clean energy energy uh, than, than a pure debate on climate change might suggest so um, you know in our view we think there is room for cooperation on clean energy broadly defined with China we think there is scope for for the federal government to let states and local governments that want to be more aggressive about their climate and clean energy targets to do so and for the, probably the federal government to retain some that the existing levels of support that that are currently offered in these areas um, because you know not only does it achieves some climate change benefits, but it's also been a big economic generator. And as the world increasingly moves in, in a direction toward more clean energy, um, the U.S. can retain and even lead on technology in this area, too.
0: The report has uh, several recommendations for um, moving forward in the in the climate debate. Um, feel free to download it at CNAS.org. Again, David, Divya, Liz, thank you for joining us today.
2: Thanks. Thank you.